This Rhythm and News podcast is brought to you by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. This Sunday, former Seattle King County NAACP President Doc will be the keynote speaker at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Baptist Church's MLK celebration. And with him, we're going to talk about uh, MLK, the event at Martin Luther King Memorial Baptist Church, uh, and King Day in general is Dr. Carl Mack. Good morning, Dr. Mack. Good morning, Brother Chris. How you doing? And Happy New Year to you and the entire KRIZ family. I'm doing well in yourself, and Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you, my brother. All right. Carl, first of all, uh, let's talk a little about, about what this means. You're the former chair of the Seattle King County. I'm the president of the Seattle King County NAACP. Um, you're coming back um, to do uh, uh, MLK uh, celebration at Martin Luther King Memorial Baptist Church located in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. County, which is the only mm. jurisdiction named in honor of Dr. King in the country. Can you kind of talk mm. about the, the meaning and the symbolism behind all that? You know, Chris, and, and you know, the, the interesting part is all those points that you made just absolutely resonated with me when I got the invitation from Dr. Reverend Linda Smith. Because, in fact, it, it's been decades since I spoke about Dr. King. And, but when this invitation came for all the reasons that you just laid out, Martin Luther King Baptist Church, speaking about Martin Luther King in Martin Luther King County, the only county in the country so named for the brother, all of those reasons resonated with me. And the other part is, is because it was Dr. Linda Smith. One of the things that I do love about that sister is you may not see her on the battle line like that, but every time, every time I've called her, if I needed her on the battle line, she was there. If we needed her financially to support it, we need her to take a stand on something. So because she made the request, that carried a, 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 a great deal of weight with me. And then when I lived in Seattle, my home church was Martin Luther King Baptist Church in Renton. And at the time, it was pastored by the late Leon Jones, and then it was pastored by Pastor Herbert Carey. So, and, and a lot of what I'm going to talk about, um, there was a big movement, a big part of, of our, and I say our, I mean the KRIZ family, the black community, the NAACP, Martin Luther King Baptist Church, part of what galvanized all of us, if you can remember, Chris, was the death of Robert Thomas Sr. And Martin Luther King Baptist Church was a foundational meeting place for events that took place around us leading that protest. So for all of those reasons, 
it just it, it's just very special to come back to Seattle and do it. And, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, Chris, I don't need to ever speak about Dr. King after this moment because of all the, the way that everything coalesced for this particular event. So it, it, it's a very special invitation for me personally. Right. Well, it certainly is an opportunity for people um, to hear you, especially if they haven't heard you speak on Dr. King or about Dr. King or King's legacy, any of that uh, before. And, you know, I know um, that, you know, different things when you hear Carl Mack speak. Number one, you're going to get fired up and you're going to get excited. Number two, you're going to be hit with some things that's going to cause you to pause and think about and <laughs> reflect on things in your own personal life, things that you've done things that are going on in the community, things that you probably should be thinking about or probably should do. Uh, and the other thing is you're going to get more than likely on some things that you probably had no idea of or um, you forgot about or it was one of those things that hadn't really been handed down properly from generation to generation. Carl, you know, with that being said, I know these themes, one of the themes there uh, is the pursuit of justice King's way. And when we talk about the pursuit of justice, I mean, that's an ongoing effort for African-Americans and our community, not only here in Seattle, but all across the country. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, Chris, you're absolutely, and first of all, thank you, because all the things that you mentioned are things that, that you know, when you step before and you're trying to deliver a message to people, um, you would hope that you could accomplish all of those things. And, and, you know, again, when we're talking about pursuit of justice, there's a thousand ways to skin that cat. But all I could tell you is from my perspective, and I'm just speaking from my perspective, to be a student of history, the lessons from our ancestors have made my, my, my battles a lot simpler. I didn't say it made it easier. It made it simpler. You know, in my case, to hang my life and to understand his, his teachings, his writings, his legacy, there's a lot of lessons that King gave us. Now, it's easy to, for us to go to King, but when you, even when you go inside the NAACP, think about the people that I had on the board uh, when, I was, when, when I was the chief servant. I had easily over 250 years of experience in NAACP, NAACP talent. I'm talking Connie Bowen, Judge Haley, Judge Johnson, Cynthia Hobbs. You know, all people had so much experience that they could lend to me which made the fight simpler. Didn't make it easier, but it made it simple because they could navigate and guide me through. And that's what history does. When you go inside history, it gives you uh, a, a blueprint of, of things you can navigate. So when, when, when I learned that we have pursuing justice king today, what that says to me is that as we pursue justice with issues that we're facing today, there's a blueprint that Dr. King left us that can help us navigate that. And so some of the very issues that we're dealing with today, I believe Dr. King gave us an answer. So some of the things I'm going to ask is, would Dr. King have said black lives matter or all lives matter, which means that you have to get inside the writings of Dr. King to see what is it that he thought about the relation law enforcement in the African-American community. I want to get inside, you know, we're having conversations now about reparations. We've been having conversations about reparations. What was Dr. King, what would Dr. King have thought if someone were to ask him, do you think that black folks should be the benefactors of the United States government for preferential treatment 
because of our experience in this country. What do you think Dr. King would say? We're going to explore that. Today, we're dealing with the issue of CRT, the critical race theory, but let's call it what it is. It's the teaching of black history. So what would Dr. King have said about his thoughts on whether or not black history ought to be taught in schools? Because again, uh, what I want to remind people of is what has happened to Dr. King is that he rise against us, meaning that this man, this powerful, great man and his legacy has been reduced to one speech and one line. I have a dream that one day my four little children would be judged not on the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. You ask most people what you know about Dr. King. I have a dream. It's going to be the words that come out of their mouth. And if you ask them the contents of I have a dream, my four little children, content of the character, not the color of the skin. And so I want to get into his body of work and say, is there a thing, are there teachings that he can give us, even from the grave, about issues we're dealing with today? Can he help us with what his thoughts were around police brutality? Can he help us with his thoughts around reparations? Can he help us in, in navigating the fight to get black history taught in schools? So those are some of the things we're going to talk about. Yeah. Carl, let's, let's talk a little bit, and I don't want to get too deep into your presentation because people need to show up, uh, and, and it, they should, you know, the fire marshals probably should need to be there <laughs> to control the crowd. <laughs> but a little bit about legacy, uh, the current status and atmosphere, or, or how people feel about themselves, and the illusion, that's, be, that's my word, the illusion of being comfortable with the American culture of today as a black person in America. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so, so, so let me, let me deal with the, the illusion of being comfortable. Again, when, when, when one takes a look at the status of, of black folks, and, and, and let me just, let me just, let me just take one example of that, Chris. I'm just going to take my hometown of Jackson, Mississippi. My mama called oh. me, um, the other day, and she was telling me, you know, if we're not talking about the water crisis in Jackson, we're talking about the, the crazy, out-of-control crime that's going on in Jackson, right? Mm. And so when it comes to the infrastructure, just the basic infrastructure, compare the infrastructure of the capital city of Mississippi, which is under, you know, w- which is primarily minority at this point, because white folks then left the city, leave going to circle around and they're going to be back in Jackson. So, you know, when you take a look at just the infrastructure alone of cities that are, are heavily populated, the water quality in Jackson, Mississippi, and all these other places, that ain't happening in white communities. So these issues are still going. When you take a look at the quality of schools that are heavily attended by minority students and compare that to schools that are heavily attended by white kids, those schools are night and day in the technology and the opportunities that they got. So we still have these disparities, be them in healthcare, we still got them in the judicial system, we still got them in the way that, that, that law enforcement addresses black folks versus the way law enforcement addresses anybody else. These issues still exist. So when you talk about legacy, one of the things that, that to me, I don't think Dr. King ever worried about his legacy because legacy is what somebody else says your life was all about. But it is clear to me 
that he was a phenomenally great man and greatness transcend time. You know, here's a man that's been gone for, from us for almost 55 years, yet I still find when you get inside his writings and his teachings for this man to be so profound that I'm going to talk about, I have never heard people today make a more profound argument than what he made 55, 60 years ago. That embodies greatness. It just absolutely embodies greatness. And I hope that that, that answered it a little bit for you, Chris. And if not, let, give me another shot at it. <laughs> no, that did answer it. Uh, Carl, uh, let, let's talk a little bit. I know this is probably getting away from your, your presentation, but I, you know, why I have you here, I think it's important to kind of talk about, you know, the fact that we have, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, people who have their own agendas and they they hide behind the words um, of Dr. King or they, they mm-hmm. other people duck uh, beneath the shadows of Dr. King uh, mm-hmm. as they kind of try and hide out and make things work for them as opposed to making things work for us. Mm-hmm. And and, and that's what I mean, Chris, when I say they have weaponized them. So, for example, you know, it is clear to me that that the embattled speaker of the House, let's take, for example, Kevin McCarthy, the embattled speaker of the House. Right. When it came to, to, to teaching black history, this whole CRT movement, Kevin McCarthy was quick to say that. the And he called it, you know, the other thing that they do is they weaponize and anything that's benefiting black folks. When it was affirmative action, they weaponized affirmative action to make us feel guilty about it. When it came to the quote unquote woke movement, now they're weaponizing the term woke movement. So if you use it and black folks ought to wake up, we ought to wake up and learn our history. Now they're weaponizing it and they're weaponizing it to Chris to the point that I want you to think about this, this CRT woke movement, black history. Public schools are paid for with public tax dollars. We, we, we are the ones that pay to have public schools in existence. So even though we're the ones that finance them, public schools, we allow white folks to dictate what is being taught. Chris, that's the, 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 another example would be you and I both contribute to buy a bicycle. But I'm the only one that can determine who rides the bicycle. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that we would allow our tax dollars to finance public schools and then give white people all the say over what's being taught, which negates and makes us irrelevant in that argument. It's asinine. But that's what happens. So so there are people like right wing conservatives who absolutely weaponize King. But there are people who look like us. A.K.A. Daniel Cameron, the state attorney general for Kentucky. And remember, the fool felt like he turned a deaf ear. He'll be the first one to cite King, but he turned a deaf ear when the call for accountability came out for him to bring charges in the murder of Breonna Taylor. See, Mm. Clarence Thomas, same thing. Be the first one to talk about the greatness of King. But now all of a sudden, you know. He wants to come to the, to the family reunion, not with red Kool-Aid, talking about he drinks purple Kool-Aid. I don't know about I drink purple Kool-Aid. It's red. <laughs> you know Carl, what I'm saying? Dr. <laughs> Mack, I'm going I'm to rein you back in because I, I, can, I can sense what's coming. And I want you to make sure that you save that for this Sunday 
January 15th at Martin Luther King Memorial Baptist Church in Renton at 3 p.m. at 4519 Northeast 10th Street in Renton. Carl, last thing, you know, we know what happens to our folks when we're in a dynamic church and we get a great sermon. It gets us spirited, fired up, ready to go, all that. How ironic is it that this presentation you're going to make is happening in a church, given that what I just said about the spirit of a church? You know, I, I mean, I don't know that it could be in a better place. We're, we're talking about a man who, whose life was, you know, he was a man of the cloth, right? He was, a, he, was a, he was a Baptist preacher, that's it. But I will say this, you know, I get the knee-jerk reaction that we're so accustomed to. Something bad happens in our community, and there's a knee-jerk reaction to respond to it. It's that long haul that, that we got to be into. And so what I'm hoping that, that, that would be accomplished during this presentation is that to your point, Chris, I pray God that, that God guides my words where I can impart something on people to show you the breadth, the depth of who this man was. And for us to be able to now scratch our consciousness and look at it and say, and we've allowed this country to minimize him. And he had thoughts on all of these issues. So I'm hoping that this would inspire people to go out and begin to dig deeper into not only King, but dig deeper into our experiences, because there are so many lessons that lie dormant in that history. You know, I, and I'll say this, and I've said this many times, and I always say it when I'm on this radio program. You, Frankie Barrow, JBKB, the whole KRIZ family, we have no idea how blessed we are to have all of you. And Lord knows if there comes a day that we should lose the KRIZ Seattle Medium family, there'll be a void that would cut so very deep, so very deep. So we need to be able to appreciate what we have now and understand why we need to support it. We need to be able to go inside of our culture, go inside of our history and understand it. Because I'm telling you, Chris, as sure as God made green apples, whatever courage that anybody thought I had when I served as the chief servant of the Seattle NAACP, it was rooted in history. It was absolutely rooted there. There were too many people who showed me how to fight and showed me what was worth fighting for and showed me that even, even if it came to paying that ultimate price, and, and, and let me make sure anybody, everybody understands this, I ain't got no death wish. I ain't trying to be no martyr. But as Dr. King said, if a man ain't discovered something he's willing to die for, he ain't fit to live. It's a lot there, man. It's a lot there. And, and I want to say again to the entire KRZ family, I so love you all. I'm so grateful for you, and I thank you for always done for our community. A voice all for right. the people. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate you having you on this morning. Um, and I know everybody's looking forward to seeing you back in the Pacific Northwest this Sunday at Moses King Memorial at 3 p.m. Looking forward to it, my brother. God bless you. All, all right.